We called on Mr. Carveth Wells, world traveler extraordinary. We asked him to select his favorite story for dramatization on this program. Well, he told us that his favorite actually had nothing to do with earthly travels at all. It's title, From the Earth to the Moon, by the dean of all science fiction writers, Jules Verne. So for those of you who would like to travel a half million miles in the next half hour, here's Carveth Wells' favorite story. Bullocks in downtown Los Angeles, one of America's great stores, proudly originates this radio program for the nation. Favorite story. This is the program which stars the story. And that means our star this week is Jules Verne's From the Earth to the Moon. The story you are about to hear was written more than a half century ago by a man whose mind belonged to the age of tomorrow. And so, while telling Jules Verne's tale basically as he wrote it, we're including a few modern phrases and present-day devices which we're sure Verne himself would include if he were adapting his own story for radio today. So here is Carveth Wells' favorite story, Act One. When I, sitting, heard the astronomer where he lectured, with much applause in the lecture room, how soon unaccountable I became tired and sick, till rising and gliding out, I wandered off by myself in the mystical moist night air, and from time to time looked up in perfect silence at the stars. There is... Yes, Father? What's that? A poem. A poem? It doesn't rhyme. Mr. Walt Whitman's poems very often don't rhyme. Mr. Walt Whitman. Uh, Cerise, how did you happen to pick that poem? Oh, I don't know. When I brought coffee to you and Mr. Maston and Captain Nichol, you, you were talking about the moon. That may be what brought the poem to mind. Cerise, my child, how far away do you think it is? the moon? Oh, a million miles. (laughs) Much nearer. Much, much nearer. So near that your old father can reach out and touch it. (laughs) Do you think I'm crazy? No, father. Well, Nickel does. He thinks the war was too much for me and that I've worked too hard. That I'm going out of my senses. Well, when they learn tomorrow of the release I'm giving the press concerning a plan I have... A lot of people are going to agree with him. Baltimore, Maryland. A rather startling news announcement has come from the office of Mr. E.J. Barbicane, president of Barbicane Industries, one of America's foremost producers of war material. The entire production capacity of Barbicane Industries, ladies and gentlemen, will be devoted to the manufacture of an apparatus for sending a rocket-propelled projectile into outer space. 
to try to establish direct contact with the moon. But what's the use of it, Barbara Kane? Pouring five million dollars into a completely profitless enterprise. Nickel, you're profit mad. That's the trouble with this country. We've lost the frontier spirit. After all, why not explore this moon of ours? It may turn out to hold more profit than you think, Nickel. Mineral wealth, perhaps. And there may be inhabitants of some sort who will exchange ideas with us. Who knows? Are you really serious? Maston, Nickel, you are two of my oldest friends. We went through college together. For years, we've worked together to make Barbicane Industries one of the world's leading producers of uh, guns and planes. Now comes the big chance. A chance to build something instead of blowing up something. And I want you with me on this. I need your enthusiasm and your brains. It's cockeyed, E.J., but I'm with you. I'm not... You can't pull me into line with sentiment, Barbicane. I think you're moonstruck. And what's more, I'll bet you $5,000 your crazy projectile never gets outside the Earth's atmosphere. And I'll bet you 10000 more that it never comes within 1,000 miles of the moon. Nickel, it's a bet. Well, I, I hope I lose. But I won't. I hope you'll lose too, Captain. And I think you will. Father. Uh, oh, yes, sir. There's a phone call for you from Europe. From Europe? Oh, well, I'll take it on this extension. Hello? Hello, Monsieur Barbicane? Yes, this is Barbicane speaking. I am Michel Ardon. I am calling from Paris. Monsieur, have you completed your plans for your rocket to the moon? I... No, the plans are not completed. Good, good. You will have to revise them. Change all your blueprints. Make your project large enough to carry a human being. Good Lord, why? Because I, Michel Ardon... I'm going inside. All nations' airlines incoming flight 72, the Paris Express, now deplaning passengers at gate 9. Do you think he'll be on this plane, Father? Well, the airline people have him on the passenger list. Now, how the devil am I going to handle this fellow? How do you mean, handle him? Cerise, I've got to talk him out of this insane idea of traveling to the moon inside my projectile. But why? Well, it would be like like hitching a ride to a comet. Ah, Monsieur Barbicane, I recognize you from your pictures. Oh, yes, uh, you're Ardin. I am? It is so kind of you to meet me. My pleasure. Uh, this is my daughter, Cerise. My pleasure, mademoiselle... How do you do? Well, let's get underway. Uh, get your bags out. Huh? I have a cab waiting to take you to town. Only a cab? What a pity. I thought you would have a rocket waiting to take me immediately to the moon. plan. I've checked all our data with the head of Cambridge Observatory. He assures us that an initial velocity of 1,200 yards per second will be enough to drive the projectile out of the Earth's gravitational field. 1,200 yards per second. Uh, That's how many miles an hour? A little less than 2,500 miles an hour. Ah, a good fast clip. 
And will I arrive at the moon by Christmas? A projectile will arrive in about four days. Considering the retarding action of the atmosphere, the projectile should strike the moon's surface at midnight of the 4th of December, after traveling 97 hours, 13 minutes, and 20 seconds. I wonder if the selenites will be glad to see me. The who? The selenites, the inhabitants of the moon. Uh, there are no inhabitants of the moon. I do not believe it, and I'm going to find out. Ah, damn, you're a fool. Time is short, and I refuse to change my plans to let you commit suicide. This is madness. Monsieur Barbicane, in another age, I should have been an explorer on this planet. A Columbus, a Marquette, a Balboa, perhaps. Now, if one should seek a new horizon, he must leave this earth. You see, monsieur, I am in my own way a seeker for immortality. I would be remembered as the Columbus of the interstellar space, the first man in history to bridge the vastness of the sea of sky. I tell you, it's fantastic. Fantastic, impossible, and absurd. Father? Huh? Oh, oh hello, Cerise. I didn't know you were here. I've been listening. Do you realize, Father, you sound just like Captain Nichol? What? Well, that's the way he talks to you, about your ideas. And if Michel wants to explore a new frontier, as you call it, why should you stand in his way? Your daughter, at least, seems to understand, monsieur. But the shock. No human being can stand such an impact. Then you will find a way to cushion that impact. I cannot believe that the Barbicane who marshaled the industrial forces of America to win a war can be defeated by such a mere technicality. Uh, how can you argue with a man like that? Then you will let him go in the projectile? Well, uh, yes. On one condition. And what is that, monsieur? I will let you know when the time comes. I'm sure you of the radio audience can hear in the background that voice on the public address system here at the launching platform. Only 100 seconds to the zero hour. The hour at which the intrepid young Frenchman, Michel Ardan, will be hurled into interplanetary space by Barbicane's jet-propelled rocket. One minute, 30 seconds. There's a large crowd gathered here near the mouth of the huge gun which will fire this man-carrying projectile to the moon. At least that's the hope of Barbicane and the scientists. Michel, Michel, do be careful. I have my vitamin pills, darling. There's absolutely nothing to worry about. Oh, darling, is it? Michel and I have been getting acquainted these past few weeks. Michel, at the instant of fire, simply relax against the bulkhead. The hydraulic mechanism will absorb most of the shock. I'll relax all right, Monsieur Maston. That's one thing I'm an expert at doing. And Ardan, be sure to radio us when you leave the Earth's atmosphere. All right, Captain. That will be my signal to pay Barbicane $5,000 of the lost bet. Well, you'll have to pay it to Cerise, Captain. I won't be seconds, here to collect it. Five, Where zero. will you be, Father? With Michelle and the projectile. You're both going? Remember, I told Michelle he could go on one condition. And this is the seconds. condition that I accomplished. You'd better take your place, gentlemen. Only 40 seconds. Well, goodbye, old friends. Master Nicole. Goodbye, Cerise. Goodbye, Father. Don't worry, Cerise. I'll take care of you. 30 seconds. Come, Michel, to new frontiers. To new frontiers. 20 seconds. 2 0. Clear the launching platform. Stand by. Stand by. Prepare for detonation. 1 5. 1 4. 
One, three. The excitement one, here two. at the launching platform, one, ladies one. and gentlemen, is reaching a fever. The crowd falls Nine back. Seconds. The moon bomb rocket is about to Seven take seconds. off. Six seconds. Five. Four. Three. Two seconds. One second. Well, they're on their way. It looks as if I've lost a bet, Maston. I think you're going to lose another one, too. I think they'll reach the moon. And can you imagine how the world will welcome them when they get home? When they get home? Yes. How long do you suppose it'll be before they come back to the Earth? A week? Ten days? Come back? Didn't you know, Cerise? They're on a one-way ticket. They'll never come back. Oh, you're wrong. I know you're wrong. There is no launching platform on the moon. The fuel will be gone. No, Cerise. Resign yourself. We'll never see your father or Michelle again. But we will. If I hadn't been sure of that, I never would have encouraged them to go. I know very little of science, Mr. Maston. But in my woman's heart, I'm sure beyond all doubt... My father and Michelle will return to Earth and to me, alive. In a moment, Act Two of Favorite Story, Jules Burns from the Earth to the Moon. Annoying, isn't it, the repeated ringing of your doorbell? Bullocks asks you to imagine for a moment how annoying the sound would be if it were multiplied 152 times. 152 ringings of your doorbell, each one heralding a solicitation from you for a worthwhile welfare or social agency. Each one well deserving of your attention. But instead of 152 ringings, you will hear only the one lone ring of your volunteer community chest worker. One call to do the job of 152. Bullock's downtown wishes to urge that you think carefully on the special importance of this neighbor's call. Remember that you and your neighbor, through the community chest, are waging the greatest of all wars. The war against the ever-present ravages of disease, delinquency, crime, poverty, divorce, hunger, physical and mental illness. Ruthless enemies that annually claim human tolls far in excess of the worst score of World War II. The fight against these evils is a constant one. It must be carried on every second of every minute of every day throughout the world. It is your fight to protect your family, your home, your community. You must do your share. When this week you answer your doorbell to the community chest, Bullock suggests you please consider carefully your responsibility and your opportunity. Remember that it is 152 calls in one. And giving up. Now act two of Carbeth Wells' favorite story, From the Earth to the Moon, with William Conrad as Barbicane. Calling the Earth, calling any radio stations on Earth. This is Barbicane. This is Barbicane and Rocket Projectile calling observatories on the Earth. Do you read our signal? Over. No answer. What's wrong? I don't know, Michelle. 
Our radio equipment must have been shaken up in the launching. They can't hear us, we can't hear them. Do you feel all right? I think so. How long were we unconscious after the takeoff? About two hours. Earth hours, that is. What do you mean, Monsieur? Earth hours? Time gets twisted out here in space, Michel. And an hour is a much different length of time when we're traveling at this enormous rate of speed. Aren't you acquainted with Einstein? I regret to say, monsieur, we have never been introduced. All I know is that my earth appetite tells me I'd like something to eat. Oh, well, there are some high-nourishment food capsules here in the locker. I'll have them ready for us in a moment. Uh, you just relax and pretend you're at home in your own sitting room in Paris. <laughs> Whatever you say, monsieur Barbicane. <sighs> you know... Good Lord, man, put out that cigarette. We've barely enough oxygen to sustain life for a week without wasting it by burning tobacco. Oh, you are right, of course. Uh, here's your dinner. Is this all? One little cupful of brown water? Well, that contains more nutrition than many a six-course dinner, monsieur. Enough energy to keep you going until daylight. Monsieur Barbicane, it's daylight now. There's the sun. Well, I didn't expect we'd be out of the Earth's shadow so soon. That's strange. The sun is up, but the sky is still black. Out here in space, there is no atmosphere to scatter it into blue. It's odd seeing the sun and the stars at the same time, and the moon, too, a full moon. The moon may be full, but to us, my friend, the earth is new. What do you mean? Look behind us. You see that long, thin crescent in the sky? Sacre cieux! It fills up half the sky. That's sunrise on our earth. From where we're watching, the world is in its first quarter. How far away is it now, the Earth? A radius, perhaps, 4,000 miles. Farther away than man has ever traveled from the sordid soil of our planet. Yes. And growing farther away every instant. Farther away from her. Mr. Marston, is there no word at all? None, Ceres. None of the reports at this observatory or any of the others have revealed the least sign of the rocket. And all efforts at radio contact have failed. I'm afraid, Ceres, that we must face the facts. No, they're alive. I'm absolutely certain of it. How do you know, Ceres? I told you before. A woman knows things. And I tell you, my father and Michelle are both alive. Monsieur Barbicane, the heat in this rocket is almost unbearable. I must make a note of that. Next projectile should be painted lighter color to reflect more of solar rays. What good is it, monsieur, to keep making notes? Who will ever read them? On his way back from the South Pole, Scott kept writing until the hour of his death. And others found his words and profited by them. Others will come this way again, Michel. Are we halfway there by now? We're more than halfway. According to my calculations, within a few moments we will be at the midpoint between the gravitational fields of the Earth and the Moon. 
In other words, we'll soon cease flying away from the Earth and start falling toward the moon. Ah, then it calls for a celebration, doesn't it? We have a bottle of wine here. Let's open it and celebrate our arrival in the lunar sphere of influence. <laughs> Very well. Here are the wine glasses. Ce n'est pas possible. The glass just hangs in the air. <laughs> How do you do that? Quite a trick, isn't it? Is it magic? You can do the same thing, Michelle. There's no gravity. We're passing the point where the Earth's attraction cancels off that of the moon, and vice versa. In other words, nothing weighs anything, and everything weighs nothing. I need a drink. Now what's wrong? The wine won't pour. <laughs> Why should it? Shake it, Michelle. That will force the liquid out. The wine just hanging in the air like a, like a blob of jelly. Oh, this is sloppy, Michelle. We'll have to push the wine into the glasses with our fingers, I guess. Like this. Monsieur Barbicane, I never realized that what a convenience gravitation is. A <laughs> uh, toast, then, to gravitation. To gravitation. Listen, what's that? Sounds like air escaping. No, our pressure's still normal. Barbicane, mon dieu. Look out of this window. A mountain of rock. It's coming straight toward us. Can we steer out of the way? With what, my boy? There's nothing to steer with. We can't push against ether. No, Michelle, all we can do is pray it misses us. It's practically on top of us. We'll be crushed. No, it may go by. We may be safe. Oh, it's fast. Yes, thank the Lord. What was it, monsieur? A meteor, a piece of a worn-out comet, perhaps, or a chunk of rock on its way to becoming a shooting star. Ah, some fate has been kind to us, Barbicane. We can still reach the surface of the moon. I'm not so sure, Michel. Why not? The gravitational pull of that meteor is something we didn't plan on. It seems that it swerved us off of our course. Look at the nose of our rocket, Michel. It is no longer pointed toward the moon. Cerise, Captain Nickel, I found the projectile. I can see it here in the telescope field. Let me look. Can you see any sign of life? There's nothing but a point of light like a star, but it seems to move slowly toward the northern limb of the moon. The northern limb? That isn't right. No. Something went wrong with our calculations. The rocket is thousands of miles off its course. That little star. That little fleck of light at the moon's edge. Is that you, Father? Is that you, Michel? Do you know I'm watching you, Father? Do you know my heart is out there in space with you, a quarter of a million miles away? Michel, do you know I love you? We can't be more than 50 miles above it now. The moon. The deserts of the moon. There's something I want to ask you, monsieur. Yes? Well, Michel, what is it? Your daughter, Cerise. Would you look with favor upon her marriage? To the right man? To me. Of course, Michel, but... I'm afraid our paths will never lead back to the earth again. Don't think about such things. Don't think backward toward the earth. Think forward toward that burning globe underneath us. 
No one has seen it as we do now. That circular mountain over there, that's the crater of Tycho Brahe. And the vast stretch of the plateau right beneath us. It's the Mare Embrium, Sea of Showers. Monsieur McCain, we don't seem to be falling closer to the moon. We seem to be traveling parallel to the surface. Yes, I've noticed that. Michelle, you and I in this rocket may become a moon. A what? A moon of the moon. We may be bound by Newton's law of gravity to revolve forever about the moon. Just as that moon revolves forever about the Earth. They've disappeared. I can't see them in the telescope. How can they just disappear? Well, behind the moon. The projector has overshot its mark. I, I believe it's going to revolve around the other side of the satellite. Nickel, I have news. It may be wonderful news. What is it? What kind of news, Master? We have enough observations of the rocket to plot its course. And knowing the mass of the projectile and the distances involved, I have computed something Barbicane and Michelle could never calculate for themselves. I believe I know where they are going. And we will see them again. Cerise, the projectile is moving in an open curve, what mathematicians call an hyperbola. Its path will cross the Earth's orbit again. And my friends, if my figures are correct, our brave travelers through space will fall back into the Earth's atmosphere. Before the end of the week. Ladies and gentlemen, here is the latest news we have on the space projectile carrying Ardan and Barbicane. It has circled the moon and is now plunging back toward the Earth. Sometime tonight, sometime in the next few hours, the rocket-propelled ship will arrive on the Earth's surface. Just a moment, ladies and gentlemen, there's a bulletin coming in. The Corvette Susquehanna off the California coast has reported that the moon-bound spaceship crashed into the Pacific Ocean. The Susquehanna steamed to its rescue and picked up both the survivors alive and in good health. So, ladies and gentlemen, Monsieur Barbicane and I are qualified to speak of the moon's other face because we have seen it, we have photographed it and mapped it. We have brought this hidden world into a scope of man's knowledge. sitting heard the astronomer where he lectured with much applause in the lecture room how soon unaccountable I became tired and sick till rising and gliding out I wandered off by myself Cerise yes Michel I saw you leave darling are you all right of course I'm all right I just wandered off in the mystical, moist night air. And from time to time... Yes, darling? Looked up in perfect silence at the stars.
You've been listening to Jules Verne's From the Earth to the Moon, the favorite story choice of Carbeth Wells. Favorite story is brought to you each Tuesday at 9 by Bullocks in downtown Los Angeles, one of America's great stores. Football fans, many of you have been told by Bullocks during the past few weeks that tickets for the USC-UCLA football game would go on sale November 13th at Bullocks Football Ticket Booth in the below-street-level Bullocks store for men. Bullocks has just been notified by the home team UCLA that due to the unusually large advance sale of tickets, season tickets, alumni, students, and mail applications, that they will not be in a position to provide Bullocks with tickets for public sale which they originally thought could be arranged. All mail-order money will be returned as soon as possible. Heard in this week's cast were William Conrad as Barbicane, George Sorrell, Jeff Corey, Byron Kane, Thelma Hubbard, Don Diamond, Bill Pennell, and your announcer, George Barkley. This week's favorite story was directed by True Boardman. Sound designs were by Jack Hayes. Original music was composed by Bob Mitchell, who conducted Claude Sweeten's orchestra. This was a Lawrence and Lee production. Bullocks proudly originates it for the nation. Now, here is True Boardman to tell you about next week's favorite story. Next week, A Portrait in Venom, the great novel about a scheming woman named Becky Sharp. Thackeray's unforgettable Vanity Fair. It's the favorite story choice of one of the greatest novelists of our generation, Mr. Sinclair Lewis. We hope you'll be listening. Until next Tuesday, then, and Vanity Fair, good night to you from Bullock's. <laughs>